Hey everyone, welcome back to Vanessa on Films. This is just the ep- the the episode. This is the show or the podcast, whatever you want to call it, where we discuss film, television news, etc., a bunch of other stuff. Um, I, I I feel like I've mentioned this previously on this show a million different times. Wait, did I say m- I'm Vanessa? Yeah. Anyways, I'm Vanessa, but I mentioned this previously on the show a million times. I think this might be my last episode for a little while. And I know, like, all three of you guys are devastated, but, um, I just, I think, like, I really do need to focus on writing. Like, that's just, you know, like, that is my, my forte. That's what I'm strongest at. And so, as much as I love doing these episodes, I feel like until I can sort of really get a hang of it or, um... If I, if I can, like, somehow make it better than it is now, like, I'll definitely return to it. But as of right now, I think this might be my last episode. I mean, this the year is ending anyway soon, so I was probably going to do a break anyways, but I might be doing, like, a prolonged break. Um, yeah, so it might be my last episode for a little while. Uh, title of ep, final, this, uh, or, hmm, no way. Title of ep, The Final Bow dot 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 for now because like I just I don't know like again like I I do think I need to really just focus on my writing uh work on getting that out there and uh yeah I I do have a piece that's gonna be in a magazine coming up but um I don't really know the details about that yet so we'll just um hold off on that um I I really I wrote a really really I don't necessarily know if it's good, but but it's an essay that I, I'm pretty proud of. I wrote a little while ago, and I submitted that as well. That actually does focus on film. It focuses on three films from this year, uh, three that actually appeared in my top 10 list, which I finally got around to doing a top 10 list. I actually made it a top 12 list just because on Letterboxd, the way that it's formatted, it's it looks better, <laughs> or just because it's like 4, 8, 12, um, or 3, 6. No, it's four. It's four, I think. I think. Yeah, anyways. Um, yeah, so there's like four per, per row. Um, so I, I think I just decided to make it into a top 12. So I guess two extra films can appear in my top list. Yeah, so I mean, I'm just working on my writing, trying to get that out there. And I, I really do enjoy making these these episodes. I keep calling them videos sometimes, but you get what I'm saying. These like episodes are really fun to make. I love collecting news. I love learning about films. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this show. And I love that even like the small... It doesn't matter if I have like a million listeners or like two, as long as like people are listening to what I have to say about film that's getting more people interested in film and, like, learning about this type of stuff, which is, like, one of the most important things to me. It's, like, sharing this kind of stuff with people so that they can have, like, a more outward appreciation for the art of filmmaking and stuff like that. So, yeah, anyways, I'm gonna be taking a little break. The episodes will still be up. Um, Of course, I'm not cleaning it or anything, but uh, maybe I'll return eventually. And with that, I'm going to lead into my opening rant, which will lead into the news. So, yeah, I guess I've been, like, thinking about this a lot, like, journalism, (laughs) film criticism, and, like, yeah, it's association with film, I should say, journalism at least. I I I just think, like, it's really interesting how 
people often take things and run with them when it comes to news about film, like casting, awards, etc. Um, I kind of do that sometimes on this show. Like, I'm sure I've shared news that hasn't been confirmed yet. Like, last week, I literally shared news about a rumor, but I, like, did my best to research it before sharing it. So, even though it wasn't confirmed, I did my best to, like, navigate how to confirm that it was more than just a rumor. But anyways, yeah, of course, like, I'm not innocent in, like, what I'm talking about here, but it's so funny how update accounts, specifically, like, on Twitter and stuff like that, like, you know the ones, um, they kind of just get rumors or whatever, and they just, like, run with them. They, they, they literally, like, hear, like, the most basic rumors or news and they just like grab it and run with it like they're really they're really like running at nothing or like they're running with nothing or they're grasping at straws like I mean yeah again sometimes I do that but I do my best to like try to research it like I don't just like hear about news and then share with you guys like I actually do read the articles and stuff that are based on it and I I don't know I I think like we it it does lead into like a bigger question of like film criticism and like a lot of people aren't necessarily engaging with film in a way that it has been previously but that's a whole other conversation but I do think they are connected but like from an updates point of view a rumors point of view etc I do think that etc etc anyways uh the I I think that like it is a little weird that these accounts are often run off of um engagement or like trying to get the most clicks and so they they forfeit like actually diving into the research of it all in order just to like get news out there and yeah share as much as they can which kind of sucks but i guess this does lead into my like next uh my like first piece of news um, yeah, so I think the reason I wanted to, like, open with that rant or question is because there was actually rumors that Palm Clementiev was going to be joining James Gunn's Superman film, so this is Superman Legacy. Everyone was reporting on it, and they're like, oh my god, she's joining it. She's worked with James Gunn previously, like, multiple times, you know, like, they're, they're buds, I guess. Um, but then... Gun got on Twitter and he was like, well, that is not true. Like, as much as I love working with her, I don't know what role she would play. There was literally no conversations where she was even mentioned. So, again, she hasn't joined the cast of the upcoming Superman film, which is really funny to me to, for, for, like, from my point of view, it's just really funny because... I love when James Gunn just straight up tells people, like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> it's just... It's like... It's also interesting how this rumor came about. Like, I guess there are rumors, like, rumors are easy to make when the people have worked together previously, as is the case with Palm and James. But I, I think, like, what what is, like, most interesting to me is that there was literally no conversation where her name was mentioned. And so this rumor just, like, got created by some random that had, like, no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, um... So, Palm Clementiev is not joining the upcoming Superman film, and that has been officially confirmed by James Gunn. Let's move on to some news about Ridley Scott. He's going to be directing a new film called Bomb. This is actually a short story. Well, it's going to be based on the short story written by Kevin Muck... Mick, Muck, 
Muck. That's not what I meant to say. McMullen. So, uh, yeah, the short story written by Kevin McMullen. And it follows a hostage negotiator. I'm going to be kind of just reading like the little synopsis. So Frankie Ippolito, he is a hostage negotiator. He's called into duty like the night before his wedding in London. And what happens here is that a man has parked himself in a construction site in Piccadilly Circus. And he's standing on a newly uncovered, I think like like a bomb basically that was uncovered from World War II. Um, and this man tells local law enforcement that he will only speak to Frankie. So obviously they got some, they got a past, um, you know, Frankie is then drawn into like this whole thing because of the past he has with this, this man. Yeah. And, um, what's interesting is that this film is actually being, it's kind of being likened to Speed and Dog Day Afternoon, which are two very, very, very different films, but I kind of understand, like, the similarities and, like, the comparison that they're making here because, um, it takes place over whatever, a certain amount of time. Um, they're, I I, I would think, I do think in a certain way they are a little character focused. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that they are making these comparisons to the film and at least these are films that are going to be inspired the adaptation of bomb um really so again really scott is going to be directing it i think i think like 20th century is kind of looking at it right now and another interesting thing is they also want to you know really highlight the actor in this film and so they want to get like a younger actor um who could really lead a, an action film and I feel like I've mentioned this previously, um, or no, last week I was actually talking about how, um, yeah, like, I I think there is this sort of, like, lack of modern action star. Uh, I was specifically focusing it on from the perspective of, like, female action stars. This would obviously be, like, a, like a, like a male action star leading this. And so, yeah, they really are looking for this, like, young actor to really, like, drive home this story. And so, again, Ridley Scott is set to direct, uh, an adaptation of Bomb. This is a short story written by Kevin McMullen. Let's move on to some news about my favorite director, no Baumbach. He is my favorite director. I I just love his movies. I love his writing. Um, obviously, like, there are some films in his filmography. I feel like this is with, like, every director. There are some films in their filmography that, like, don't really hit as much for me. Yeah, so, like, we got news about an upcoming film. Uh, it's being described as pretty much every other film that Noah Baumbach has made. Um, yeah, it's being described as a funny and emotional coming-of-age story about adults, which I love coming-of-age films. We got casting news, which I'll get to, of course, eventually, but I love coming-of-age films. I love when it looks at coming-of-age as a teenager, as a child, but coming-of-age is something that happens every single day. Like, we are always coming-of-age. Like, I, I think that's just human nature like we are growing and changing and evolving every single day we are going through specific very like formative events at any age like i don't think coming of age is something that happens only when you are 
a child or a teenager. Um, coming of age is literally something that can happen to anyone. Um, yeah, so again, like, I think it's really cool that Noah Baumbach has, like, really kind of made a name for himself by, or, like, well, not really made a name for himself, but a lot of his, like, films are about adults learning how to be adults, and I don't think that's something we ever really stop doing. Um, so again, it's, I, I really love that this feels like a very intrinsic to what Noah Baumbach is known for. He, you know, he, he, he switched it up a little with White Noise, and I respect that. Um, it, that did have elements, though. I'm not gonna deny that it didn't have elements of, like, the coming-of-age story of it all, but I think what he is best at is films like Francis Ha, Mistress America, The Squid and the Whale, and those are really about coming of age as an adult. And so I'm not necessarily saying that with this film he's going back to his quote-unquote roots, but it does feel very connected to like what he is known for, and uh, even something like the Merowitz stories. That is totally, like, something that I think of when I think of what makes a Baumbach film a Baumbach film, you know? Like, 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 what exactly does that entail? And so, we got confirmation that this is sort of, like, what the movie is going to focus on, but we also got casting news. So, George Clooney and Adam Sandler are going to star in this upcoming film. Adam Sandler has worked previously with Baumbach before, and... I will say that Adam Sandler is, I don't necessarily think he's like one of my favorite actors, but when it comes to like the roles that really do highlight just how good yet he is at acting, I love him in those roles. Uncut Gems is like such a great performance. Again, his performance in the Merowitz stories, just so good. And I unfortunately haven't watched Hustle, but I know that a lot of people are talking about like how he was really great in that. And so I do think that with someone like Noah, he can really highlight just how ta talented, but also, you know, bringing in that comedic edge that Adam Sandler is known for. Like, I think someone like Noah is really good at getting really great performances out of their actors. And so again, like, I'm excited to know that Adam Sandler is returning to a Baumbach production just because I love when, you know, I love when he's a little serious. I cannot do his comedy movies. Like, there are very few Adam Sandler comedy movies that I can stand. Um, so, I just, I, I just, I'm really excited that he's going to be back in another Noah production because, like, I don't know. I just think when he is not being serious and when he's doing his comedy movies, I know a lot of people love those. Respect to you guys. I love that you found something you love, but, like, I just can't stand them. So, I love when he does get a little serious with his acting. As for, like, George Clooney, I think he's a great addition also to the sort of, like, bound back world just because, like, I think, I, I don't know, like, I think, I think this is really, like, um, I, I don't know, like, again, I do think... I'm thinking of, like, his role in something, like, Up in the Air, where he's, like, really, really great in that film. I don't want to say they're, like, similar 
but I do see the vision. I do see the vision with him being in a film like this. And I'm really, I really admire the way that uh, Bombac looks at the the way he like sort of looks at like male crises. Um, I pronounce it crises. If it's not, I don't. Whatever. I don't care. Um, I I really like the way that he looks at this sort of. Hmm. How do I say this? I think a lot of the times a lot of people don't really know how to write men in a way that is realistic and in the sense that like these are humans they're not like robots and so I um I really love the way that Noah writes both women and men but the way he writes men is like something that I don't think a lot of other men can accomplish um, and I really love the way that he looks at the sort of, like, a lot of the times a lot of his characters are assholes, but the way he writes them is so good that you can't even be mad at it. Um, and so I think he does have a knack to, like, look at, like, this male crisis and the male crises. And so I think... I think this film is going to play into that because we know it's going to be a coming-of-age story about adults. You know, I think that's really, really interesting to, like, see the people that are confirmed to star in it and knowing what it's about and how this is going to feel like a Noah Baumbach movie. And so, again, we got confirmation that George Clooney and Adam Sandler are going to be starring in his upcoming film. Before I move on from that news, I actually did write... Yeah, I did I did write a little bit about the way that Noah Baumbach writes men just because again like it isn't something that is seen very often in film. And so yeah, I don't I used to have it on my blog that I used to have, but I think it's on my portfolio and like yeah, you could find it if you like click any link in my bio on my social media. So, um I think it should be on my portfolio. I do kind of want to revisit that because I wrote that like about three years ago and I was like pretty young when I wrote it and so uh I mean I still am I don't know <laughs> you get what I'm saying I was younger so I kind of want to revisit it and like maybe uh see what I need to update and I want to like actually spread it around that that article or like that thing that I wrote so yeah I I'm really I, I really do love the way that he writes all his characters and all his films obviously but I'm really intrigued by his representation of men and like how he chooses to write them is really, really, it, it provides them with like empathy, but like in a way that he's not necessarily saying like, oh, these people are completely innocent or like they're not, or they're like good people. They're just people, which, um, is really really great and I love that and I really should revisit that piece that I wrote um but anyways yeah so news about no by Max upcoming film have has been released all right um whoa I think my voice just went crazy there but anyways let's get let's move on to like some news about an upcoming film uh we got the first trailer and also some you know 
first looks, etc. at He Went That Way. So this is starring Jacob Elordi and Zachary Quinto. Uh, it's going to be in theaters January 5th. The film follows Jim Goodwin, who is an animal trainer. Uh, he's basically driving uh, with his pet chimpanzee, and then they pick up a hitchhiker, and this hitchhiker is later revealed to be a serial killer. So Jacob Elordi is playing the serial killer, and Zachary Quinto is playing Jim Goodwin. So this film is actually inspired by real-life events, so for all you true crime heads out there, this one is for you. Um, yeah, so it's inspired by real-life events involving the serial killer Larry Lee Rains. I believe Rains, yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. But um, yeah, so Larry Lee Rains, I, I believe he killed a hitchhiker, so that film is gonna, the, the film is gonna follow you know, a little bit of that. Um, again, I just think that Jacob Elordi is so freaking good. Like, I honestly think I'm becoming kind of obsessed with his career. Just seeing the choices that he makes now that he has a little bit more freedom to make better choices than he did when he was, you know, sort of newer on the scene. That's sort of how it is with most, most actors that are, like, up and coming. Um, it's just so great seeing the roles that he takes and I have no idea if this film is going to be good or like if it is going to, yeah, if it's going to live up to like my expectations regarding it, but I just think it's so cool knowing that Jacob is taking roles like this. Um, he, he's, I'm thinking of like the last couple of months, the last couple of months alone, he was in, in, at least in films that were released, he was in, um, Priscilla, Saltburn, and then The Sweet East. Those are three incredible, like, choices to make as an actor. I don't really know how else to describe it, but I'm really, I think his, his choices are really inspired. His career is really inspired. And so knowing that he is in a film like this is really cool. And, you know, he's starring alongside someone, Zachary Quinto, is also really great. And so he went that way. Um, it's going to be in theaters next year. January 5th. So it's literally in a couple of weeks because, you know, January 5th is not so far away. And yeah, I'm just really excited how this like plays into the larger part of Jake Florida's career. I'm, I'm going to talk about something that I feel like has been... It hasn't really been in the works, but I know that these books are super popular. The, the first book, at least, is super popular to the point where like it was inevitable that it was going to get an adaptation. Um... YA has, hmm, YA movie and film adaptations has kind of been in the gutter recently. Like, we don't, like, dystopian and, like, fantasy novels, YA novels, that is, haven't really been given, like, the time to shine. Like, this isn't 2014 anymore, right? Um, but we did get confirmation that an adaptation of a very popular YA novel is in the works from a very, very, like, acclaimed director, and it's really cool that she's taking on a role like this, so I, I'm gonna get into it, and I think a lot of people are gonna be very excited about it. I'm pretty unfamiliar with the books. I know that they were super popular, like, I've heard about them. I know, like, the basic facts about the book, but, like, I didn't, I, I don't know anything else. Like, I don't necessarily know the characters, the lore. Of course, I don't know the lore because I haven't read the book, but I am really excited for those that are fans of this book in, uh, to get this adaptation. So let's get into the news regarding this. So Gina Prince-Bythewood, 
she will be directing the film adaptation of Children of Blood and Bone. So this is a 2018 young adult fantasy novel. It's written by Nigerian-American author Tommy Adeyemi. Uh, it follows heroine Zeli Edebola as she attempts to basically, like, restore magic to her kingdom. So the kingdom is called Orisha, and it follows, you know, like, this character's journey, essentially, has a lot of YA novels, too. Um, but the reason that she's trying to restore magic to the kingdom is because the ruling class called the Kosedons, I believe that's how you pronounce it, um, yeah, they basically have suppressed the class of people that practice magic. And so Zeli, the heroine, she belongs to this class and they are called the Magi. I believe, I I don't, I, I'm really sorry, I don't know how to pronounce a lot of the, um, the like, the lore aspect to this book, just because again, like I haven't read it. I'm not really into the culture of the book, like the, uh, the fan culture of the book. So I'm not necessarily tied to that, but I do think that I, 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 I am intrigued by this because I thought the news about this adaptation would come a little while ago, just because it has been, this book has been so popular for really, a really long time. And I thought it would be, they, people would be like stepping on like the gas regarding like an adaptation a little while ago. However, it's cool to know that someone like Gina Prince by the Wood is like, working on this just because I, I do think uh, she has a really great range in her repertoire and her filmography for something like this. And I'm, I'm, a, I don't know if I'm like the biggest, I don't, I mean, like I'm, I'm not obvious. I don't think I'm the target audience for these kinds of movies or books anymore. Uh, I don't even think I was very into like the YA of it all as a child or not a child, but like a younger person. Um, I, I mean, like I watched a lot of like that type of stuff on TV, but I was never into the books. I didn't read any of the YA, like didn't read Twilight, didn't read The Hunger Games, didn't read Harry Potter, didn't read any of that type of stuff. Like I was not really a big reader as a kid. So I kind of like missed out on that. And like, I don't feel like reading them as an adult um but I yeah like I I think that this feels a little bit more grown up if that makes sense um and also I've heard that like the lore regarding this book is really good and I'm down for any type of like heroine trying to you know fix something that again, this, like, rule, she's trying to, like, outsmart and, like, yeah, again, sort of, like, overcome this, like, ruling class. I think that any type of story like that is really intriguing. And so, yeah, we got some news regarding the film adaptation of Children of Blood and Bone. All right, um, this is, wait, okay, before I get into this news, I just want to say that I was scrolling on Twitter this morning. I'm recording this on Monday, so, again, I'm probably gonna miss a bunch of, like, shit and crap that like gets dropped um 
tomorrow. And of course, this will be, you'll probably be listening to this on Wednesday or like later in the week. So I just want to say, I saw the first word of this piece of news and I was like, oh, let me update about that. So Love Lies Bleeding, I mentioned it, I believe last week or two weeks ago regarding the Sundance, um, you know, first looks. So Love Lies Bleeding is a film directed by Rose Glass. Shout out to Rose Glass for creating St. Maud. That is such a great film. And so, yeah, it's starring Katie O'Brien, Kristen Stewart, Ed Harris, and it's being described as like a revenge film that takes place in sort of the world of bodybuilding. And I had no idea it was an A24 film. Like, I just didn't know. I know that St. Maud was a A24 film. I just didn't know that this one was as well. So anyways, yeah, uh, we got a first poster for the film and it's so good. Like, it's so simple, but it's so good. Like, I love, I love me a good poster. And so, uh, I think everyone who's into film loves them a good poster, but it's just so good. It's like bright, bold, red font. And it's literally just like Katie O'Brien because she's playing like a bodybuilder in this film, just like sort of posing and then she's holding a gun and it's just like when you kind of look at them you get this like nostalgia element immediately that this film is going to I think play into but in a very smart way and I'm just so excited for this film I believe a trailer is dropping tomorrow obviously I can't update you on my thoughts about that uh but if you follow me on Twitter you will definitely see me freaking out I just, one of my most anticipated of next year, I'm just so, so, so stoked for this film. And the, I love when a good poster, posters like make me even more excited for a film. Like I'm thinking of like when the poster and like the first looks and the trailers, whatever for poor things dropped, I'm like, oh my God, this is like one of my most anticipated of the year. And it's because the visuals just really conveyed a message and got across the themes and the messages of this film. And so that immediately made me really want to dig into this film it's such a like visual feast that i was immediately just like astounded and impressed by it and that's sort of what i'm feeling will happen with love lies bleeding rose glass is really great at creating atmosphere and creating tone and so or i guess like building off the tone and so knowing that like this is the first look that we well second look when we're getting, you know, when we're ignoring the first look that dropped a little while ago regarding Sundance, this is the first poster and it's just so great. Yeah, like, I just think that it really does get across the aesthetic, for lack of a better word, of the film. And I really, really love when posters can do that and it's not just, you know, floating heads or whatever. Um, I'm really excited for Kitty O'Brien to be kind of the lead in this film just because you know she is known for a lot of like genre stuff and to have her in a role like this is really cool again i have no idea how i messed i messed i missed the fact that this wasn't a 24 film i just don't know i just completely again like that just completely was not something i was aware of so i saw that they like posted the 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 poster and i was just like oh shit like this is great uh i'm just makes me more excited for the film i didn't even plan on talking about it but again they just dropped that so i was very eager to talk about that and so yeah let's move on to uh some news that i actually have some uh notes written down for more a24 news of course so a24 has partnered with kojima productions for the live action feature film adaptation of Death Stranding. This is, of course, Hideo Kojima's video game. And so 
I, again, unfamiliar with Death Stranding. I don't know anything about video games. I think that I'm, I think that, like, I'm intrigued by them from, like, a writer's point of view, just because I love the, the lore and, um, yeah, I guess, like, the narrative of them is really, really great. But besides that, I have no idea about anything regarding video games. Like, I don't play them. I, played basic stuff when I was a child, but, like, now I've just, again, like, I'm not really into them. But, again, I do think from, like, an artist and writer's point of view, I am very, um, intrigued by them. I really do have an admiration for them. As for Death Stranding, I do, I don't know, I think, I think this is a really big project for A24 to take on. Again, they partnered with Kojima's, like, production companies so I do think that's a big deal as well. I don't necessarily know what A24's most expensive movie was but I feel like this might be it. Like it might eventually be one of the most expensive A24 films so I'm really really intrigued by that and so uh yeah we got confirmation that they are going to be adapting Death Stranding into a feature film adaptation. I guess I should talk about the game a little bit so I feel like I, I don't know. I think video games are a little reductive in the sense that a lot of them do follow the same thing. Uh, just because it's like, this one is set, Death Stranding, it's set in the United States. It follows basically, well, players have to play as Sam Porter Bridges. Um, he is, well, I guess like Norman Reedus plays him in the video game and he's a, a courier. He like has to deliver supplies to like um, isolated colonies because there was basically this, like, destructive event that, or, like, yeah, this destructive event that basically caused these creatures to begin roaming Earth, and I feel like that is something that, I, I don't know, like, a lot of video games are sort of like that in the sense, in the sense, so, yeah, that's what Death Shining is. I'm excited to see, like, how they adapt. Adapting anything from anything into a film is really, really hard. Like, adapting a book to a film is hard. Adapting a film to a book is hard. Like, anything. It just changing mediums is always going to be difficult. And I feel like with video games, it's... Uh, like, it is a little tough in the sense that we don't... Mm, yeah, it's, it's like, tough, but I feel like what I'm most concerned with is the fact that a lot of them aren't very good, these, like, film adaptations of video games. So, I'm hoping that this is good. It has a pretty solid, you know, like, video game culture I'm unfamiliar with, but I do think it has, like, a solid fan base. So, I'm just hoping that it is something that they enjoy and it's something that, I mean, A24 usually produces bangers, but, like, again, we don't necessarily know who's attached to, like, star or direct or anything for this film. So... Yeah, uh, we got the, we got news at least about the Death Stranding adaptation. Let's move on to some news about Cannes. This is the film festival that takes place in, you guessed it, um, 2024, this next year, the film festival, they actually appointed a jury president. So Greta Gerwig, she has been appointed jury president for the 2024 Cannes International Film Festival. This would make her the first American female director to take on a jury president role. And I, again, like, she, I, I was watching a lot of, like, interviews with her. And she just seems really, like, grateful for the opportunity. She's really, like, excited about it. And she basically said, like, what she does is, you know, 
part of her job is literally watching like multiple movies per day at like during the festival and you know just like yeah for for part of her role that's what it entails just watching a bunch of movies every day and she just seems so excited and she she just can't stop talking about the fact that this is literally like the coolest thing ever just having the opportunity to watch like all these films while in cans and uh yeah I think it is well deserved she's done a lot for the industry in recent years like she she's been acting and writing for very very long and I don't think people can really like undermine that but then when when Ladybird dropped something shifted like it was just so cool that this like f- indie film wait I mean I don't even like the term indie film but you guys get what I'm saying it was sort of like an independent film um this was like years ago when A24 was pretty big but like still it didn't have like the name that it does now, you know. Um, so it was dropped in 2017, and it made like almost 100 million. And it's just so crazy that this like film from someone like Greta Gerwig, like uh, she had a she co-directed a film before this, but I don't think anyone claims that. Like she thinks of Lady Bird as her her directorial debut, right? So I think that is it. it just like so cool to um know that something like that could make so much money and it could be as successful as it was critically and financially and I just think it's so great that this is this is sort of like where she is now she you know she broke like a thousand box office records this past summer which is really great and I hope that we can kind of come to a place within the industry where more more women are just like there doesn't necessarily have to be this sort of like first woman too it can kind of just be like whatever you know like uh records are cool to break but I guess I guess what I'm saying is like it doesn't necessarily always like it doesn't it's not always a good thing like the fact that we're so far into the advancement of cinema and like women are still not being given you know, opportunities to direct, like, large budget films, etc. But anyways, I digress. I'm kind of getting sidetracked, but it's really cool just to see that Greta Gerwig has sort of taken on this role. Uh, she's the first American female director to take on a role like this, and so, yeah, I'm excited to see what she does with her role. That's going to be very exciting. I, I want to talk a little bit about Wolfman. So this is the Blumhouse Universal kind of like collab film. Um, it was set to star Ryan Gosling in the titular role, but Christopher Abbott is actually replacing Ryan Gosling. And I, I, I like Ryan Gosling. I like some of the Ryan Gosling movies. Um, but I do think that Christopher Abbott is also a very great choice for this. Honestly, like I don't even have like a lot to say about this news. I just wanted to share it just because... Uh, replacement with casting is always something I'm pretty interested in. Just, you know, not necessarily knowing why someone was replaced, but like seeing who they replace who with is very intriguing to me. So yeah, Christopher Abbott, he's going to be replaced by... he Christopher Abbott, sorry, is replacing Brian Gosling in Wolfman. So this film is going to be directed by Lee Whannell. Um, he is, of course, known for his role in the Saw film, but like he also directed The Invisible Man, I think, in 2020. 
And what's interesting about that film as well is it also was very successful at the box office. And that film was released in the early stages of 2020. So everyone knows that like after shit got shut down. So that's like one of the film that, um, one of the film, one of the films that, uh, you know, people were able to see in a theater that year, uh, before everything got kind of flipped on its head. But yeah, I think, um, I, th- I think like knowing that he directed The Invisible Man and he's going to be directing Wolfman. Like, I think, I think he has a very good knack for horror. Like he knows about horror. So, um, I don't think anyone is going to argue that fact just because of like his filmography and everything that he's done. And so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see like him work with Christopher Abbott on some a project like this. And uh, lastly, I don't, I don't know if we can consider this news, but I am very excited for this film. So I guess like I just wanted to talk about it. Um, so Willem Dafoe, he's been doing a lot of like press recently and interviews just because he's in poor things. So he's on red carpets, he's doing interviews. Uh, yeah, so he's just been in the news recently, I guess. And he was speaking about Robert Eggers's upcoming film, Nosferatu. And he was just basically really speaking highly of it. And he said that it was unlike anything he, well, let's quote him directly. He says, it was unlike anything I have seen. And uh, he he basically was talking about the visual aspects of the film and how it was just like visually striking. And one thing about Robert Eggers that I have to give him credit for is like as much as his a lot of his films don't necessarily like hit for me. Like I I a lot of them I, I like The Witch, The Lighthouse. Mm, sure, I don't think they're bad by any means. Like I I'm the last person to like. Uh, I'm the last person who should be judging films, but I still do them any do that anyway. But the point I'm saying is like, I think they are critically very good movies. Like they're well made, they're well lit. I just a lot of the times like I don't ne- like even the Northman. Like I don't necessarily think like I care about them. Um, but the point is is like, I, 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 I think that one of his strongest things as a director is the visuals and he does make some very striking images and that is one thing that I really admire about his films he knows how to create this like world uh he knows how to create like worlds and he knows how to really make something for lack of better words like look good right and so I think I think he knows what he's doing when it comes to like visual and like again I love using the term like visual feast. Like his films are really big visual feasts. And so, yeah, uh, I just wanted to share some news about Nosferatu because, you know, Willem Dafoe talking about it and being like, yeah, this is pretty much like unlike anything I've seen before. That's obviously like very high praise. And so I really think that's cool. And so, yeah, let's move on to the ending of this episode. So this is going to be my last one of these for a little while. But uh, yeah, I, I, I... I think I moved really close to the mic for that por- portion. Sorry. But anyways, I do that a lot. Like, I'm like, oh, sorry, I moved my mic. I moved too close. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. Uh, this is the portion of the episode where we talk about something we hate, love, whatever. You know, all that fun stuff. Something we don't really care about. Just like a movie or a show we want to shout out for good, for better or worse, really. Um, so, I want to talk about The Sweet East because I don't necessarily know if I've spoken about this on the pod before, but it really was one of my most anticipated of the year. 
I really am a big fan of Talia Ryder. I like a lot of what she's in. I think she was great in Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which is a film I've spoken about for this portion before, uh, portion of the episode before. And it's just, yeah, like, I, I think I'm really intrigued by a lot of, you know, her her roles. And I think, I, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think that with given, like, give her some time and I really do think that she will be really huge um she has like a quite a bit of like a following on social media but of course that doesn't necessarily like equate to like presence within film um and so the sweet east it was it was a film led by talia Ryder, and i think that it was one of my most anticipated of the year i'm not necessarily sure why like i think i was just really intrigued by the synopsis of the film the premise yeah like the premise of it the implications of it um the cast I mean the cast is just incredible and I'll talk a little bit about that and yeah I think from the first looks and like the poster the poster again that poster is so good that I was just like immediately drawn into the film I'm like I'm so excited for this film and so I was lucky enough to watch the film already twice uh it's playing at it was playing at TIFF over the weekend. So I watched it on Friday night, Saturday afternoon. And uh, both times, Sean Price Williams, the director, was there. Sean Price Williams is a cinematographer. This is his directorial debut. Uh, he was a cinematographer on Her Smell, which is a great film from 2018. If you haven't watched it, check it out. I Did I talk about it on... I don't know if I spoke about it on this pod. But maybe I did. I don't know. But anyways. Anyways... The Sweet, he's he's the director of The Sweet East. He wrote it with Nick Pinkerton and, um, well, Nick Pinkerton wrote it, I should say. And then, and then Sean Price Williams is the director. So let's get into a little bit about the film. So the film follows a high school senior named Lillian during a trip to Washington, D.C. She is separated from her class trip. And the reason that she is separated is so fucking funny. Like, you just have to watch the movie in order to see how she gets separated. Uh, but yeah, basically, through this, she comes across different groups of people. Uh, she comes across different characters. Literally, they are such characters. And she's taken through the cities and, like, woods and different areas of the United States. So she basically goes from, like, DC to New York. I don't really know where else she ends up, but I'm going to assume like around New York after that. And yeah, I, I really was, I'm really like grateful that I had the opportunity to watch this film already twice because it was one of my most anticipated of the year. I really did enjoy it. I think, I don't want to give spoilers away. I just think it's a movie you should, you should know as little as possible about it going into it and it's really a film that you can't just watch once you have to watch it multiple times um yeah so sean price williams was at the screenings that i went to both of the screenings that i went to talia Ryder was also supposed to be there but she wasn't and uh yeah i think i think she's real for not wanting to be in toronto i don't know but anyways um the the film there's a quote i don't necessarily know by who or what the full quote is but they're kind of like talking about the similarities between the film and alice in wonderland and 
there are a lot of like it feels like a reference to Alice in Wonderland the story but Sean Price Williams even said like him and Nick when they were working on the film that's not at all they didn't even think of like the Alice in Wonderland references that's not really the case at all um but they use that quote because he said like it's such a good way to describe the film like there's this young girl young teenage girl kind of moving through the world interacting with different people meeting these like really insane people and she has autonomy and like she makes choices but a lot of her choices are limited because of the fact that she is a runaway and the fact that she is sort of I don't want to say lost but she is in a way lost sort of like Alice um and so she just like has to interact with these people and she's she's just like completely she's intrigued by them but she also thinks a lot of them are fucking losers and a lot of them are and and she utilizes like her smarts to get what she wants and I think it's really really cool and although although again the Alice in Wonderland references weren't intentional they're still there to a certain extent um it is an odyssey like I think of the film as an odyssey as a journey and I do think it is basically just a reflection of America I, w I was talking about the film with, with uh yeah like just someone after the screening we were talking about the film and I said, yeah, a lot of people aren't really sure what the film is trying to say. That's, like, one of the criticisms. And I I don't... Yeah, like, I, I think I understand what the film is trying to say. But the person I was talking to was like, I don't necessarily know if it is trying to say anything. It's literally... It feels like a reflection of America and the people that are in it. And the fact that so much is happening every so much has happened all the time but like now it just feels like completely elevated and I I, re I really do think that like the film isn't necessarily a soapbox it more is just like a mirror and there's like utilizations of mirror and filming throughout the film that kind of like play into that idea and there's a scene where Talia Ryder is singing Evening Mirror and it's a song that they wrote for the film and it's just so it's like referential to like a lot of older films and it's just such a captive it's like one of the most captivating things i've ever seen on screen it's just insane like i i know that it's very simple like the setup and the shot of it it's so simple but it's like just hearing her vocals the music the visuals assigned to it is just so captivating that i was like oh shit like i'm in for i'm in for a ride like at that point the journey has kind of started but not really like she isn't necessarily quote-unquote in wonderland yet at that point but i just like was immediately enthralled and i'm like oh shit like i'm i'm totally in like and i i i love the way the film looks the the actual like film grain is so so intriguing and beautiful like i really love that aspect of the film yeah like i i i'm automatically gonna love a film more if it again quote-unquote looks good like if it's shot well if it is edited well like I'm going to love it and there's so many visual elements of the film that are just so beautiful like again the fact that it's shot on film the usage of light like I'm really glad that you know Sean Price Williams like as much as he was like oh no one's gonna finance my film because like I'm a first-time director but he has that experience with cinematography so the film does look good because of that and I just yeah it's such a great visual film there's a lot of like uh choices throughout that are very referential again to older films and 
it's just so so good and i just uh, like i'm think i don't want to like spoil it but there's a scene with like an in for example like in um in a lot of like the pressburger films uh they utilize like painted backdrops and they sort of do that in a way in the sweet east but it's such a inspired take on that that and sean price williams actually spoke about it at the at the uh during the q a and i was really intrigued by that and it's just such a cool thing to include in a modern film that i really i don't know it just it was just really great and i know it's not necessarily playing at like regular feeders it's like it is hard to find but if you have the opportunity to watch this film go watch it it's gonna be a film that a lot of people will hate um due to a lot of the things that are included with it and i'm just using things as a very like oh like basic word right now but yeah like uh i don't know i just i'm i'm i think that the film is sort of just it it ends with the title card that or not title card but it ends with the words everything will happen and it's like yeah on this journey everything does feel like it's happening like it's very chaotic at times but i think what it's trying to say is like this is what the reality is this is there's truths to it you know there's lies involved in it and although the film has ended the narrative has sort of just begun um the world is ever-changing. There's so much shit that is going to happen that we're going to witness. And we are either going to be witnesses to it, but, like, we're also going to be involved in it. And whether we like it or not, and that's sort of the thing. Like, we... We... It is a very American film. But it, it's more so, of like... I, I can relate it back to, like, my experience as well. I feel like everyone in every country can. And so... It does feel like a reflection instead of this sort of like trying to be a soapbox type thing. And so I feel like if you have to, if you have the opportunity to watch a film, go watch it. Um, I actually got to talk to Sean Price Williams a little bit on Friday evening. And I was like, oh, it's like one of my most anticipated of the year. And he was basically like, what are you keeping up with if like this film is your most anticipated of the year? And I'm like, I don't know. I was just I, I told him I'm like, I, I saw a lot about it on Twitter um it has like quite a bit of a following on twitter like people are excited about it on social media and he's like yeah i'm not like not connected to that at all so that's why he sort of missed that uh but yeah it was like really cool to talk to him and then on saturday uh afternoon i got to ask him a question during the q a and i asked him about like jeremy o'harris and io debris like the utilization of improv in the film i i wanted to know like the utilization of like improv throughout the film but i specifically focused on like io and jeremy just because there's this one scene where they're just so good and you can tell that it's very intrinsically like something that jeremy and io would write if they were given the opportunity to do so so yeah um uh Sh sean price williams was basically like yeah they were just better than the script so they kind of just went off and uh they included what was in the script but they just continued on and on and on and we just left it in the film because it was so good and uh yeah he even spoke about how there was like moments of improv throughout um and there was like a scene where talia Ryder, like lillian she just like starts laughing at one of these characters because it was like closer towards the end of the film and sean price williams was basically like i started laughing because of what the actor that's in the scene with the L lillian was doing and then 
you know, Talia Ryder started laughing. And so they just kind of kept it in the film because it was sort of this uh, moment of, oh, great, I have to deal with another one of these, like, random people who think they know everything or, like, one of these weird characters. And, uh, yeah, and she's, like, kind of coming to terms with the fact, like, oh, great, another one. Like, I I, I really enjoyed asking him that question because I am, like, interested in if, like, a script is pretty set in stone or if there's, like, utilization of improv. So it was just really cool. This weekend, this past weekend was really cool and surrounding myself with, like, one of my most anticipated films of the year, not once but twice, was really great. And so, yeah, if you have the opportunity, go watch Sweet East. And lastly, I'm going to be talking about The Iron Claw. This is a film that's going to be in theaters this weekend. It's a a biographical sports drama film written and directed by Sean Durkin, and it's based on the life of professional wrestler Kevin Von Erich, and basically his family, the Von Erich family of wrestlers. It stars Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, Harris Dickinson, Maura Tierney, uh, Holt McCallney, and Lily James. It basically just focuses on the family, the re- their wrestling kind of like dynasty, etc., and the family tragedies that kind of literally like plague their family and it's a very like sad film but um yeah I I I think we should really go I've heard really great things about it if you're interested in sports biographical films this is definitely like up your alley um I also want to mention that like poor things is in theaters um Ferrari's in theaters so Ferrari I think comes out on Christmas but poor things is in theaters December 22nd um yeah, I didn't get an opportunity to talk about Poor Things really on this portion of the video, but I will say that Poor Things is in theaters now. Or, no, no, well, it's going to be a wide release this Friday. And anyway, again, The Iron Claw in theaters this Friday. Poor Things in theaters this Friday. Uh, What else? Yeah, Ferrari's in theaters soon. The Color Purple's in theaters soon. Um, Wonka, I think I spoke about last week but that's in theaters as well so just like go there's so many like great different diverse stories that are on display right now like so go watch them and support them going to the theaters is like one of my joys in life and i just i I always enjoy going to the theater but now that i do it more often i'm like this is literally the greatest thing ever i love being surrounded by strangers and like laughing at stuff it's just so good (laughs) like laughing at stuff having reactions to things in unison um it's just so great, and I I really, really, really love being in a theater. It's I feel like once you start doing it more, you'll love it more, and you have to understand that you're going to have bad, op- bad, bad experiences sometimes um, just because you're surrounded by people, and it's a public space, sort of. So uh, just, I don't know, go, go support film. We need film to be have like a solid foundation, and so, yeah, go support these kinds of films, and... Uh, I will see you when I see you, not next week, but happy holidays, uh, go watch films, you can follow me on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd app and on films, I'll be posting about, like, my writing and stuff like that there, and so, yeah, uh, bye!